It's March 28th, 2022, and this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Before I kick off the show, I want to mention that I'm at Shop Talk in Las Vegas this week, so hit me up on LinkedIn if you want to get together. Always happy to meet new people. Today on our show, Guggenheim Partners research highlights recent e-commerce trends to notice. Is this the beginning of the end for a lot of Amazon roll-up companies? FedEx strategy and execution issues on full display at recent earnings call. Google enters last mile supply chain space with last mile fleet solution. And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains seven items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. But first, in our shopping cart full of news. Guggenheim Partners research highlights recent e-commerce trends to notice. I recently reviewed research from Guggenheim Partners tracking a few trends that brands and service providers should pay attention to. While I can't distribute the research, I thought I would share a few takeaways from the analysis which covers digital companies like Amazon, Etsy, Farfetch, and ThreadUp. First, despite the fact that the pandemic is easing up, these analysts do not necessarily think that it's a net negative for e-commerce. After a unique period of declining share gains, e-commerce is poised to re-accelerate throughout the middle and end of this year as a lot of it's the end of the pandemic, let's start going back to stores instead of buying online, it's already baked in. The analysts believe that this means e-commerce will revert to previous mean of increasing share gains. Second, while consumers are already returning to prior mobility trends, it does appear that shorter trips are advantaged here still. More time away from the home has not yet been fully realized. People are still staying closer to home than before the pandemic. As a small example of this from my own world, the New York City subway system has returned to 60% of its previous ridership. This means that if more and more people start returning to offices, it will be good for things like convenience stores, but shorter trips also benefit those retailers with a great curbside experience. Hello, Target. Third, additional data actually corroborates the subway data. Offense occupancy is only got back to 40% of pre-pandemic levels. I really don't think this is returning to more than two-thirds of previous levels anytime soon. Right now, Any CEO who posts on Twitter that everyone is returning to the office immediately finds their employees targeted by recruiters with more flexible work-from-home policies. Finally, it's interesting that the Guggenheim Partners research attributes to growth in e-commerce sales to remote work. I can see the absence of commuter fees as well as more free time resulting in purchases online. E-commerce will definitely continue to grow, especially through sites like Amazon and Etsy, due to an assortment of options, convenience, and faster shipping. Our second story. Is this the beginning of the end for a lot of Amazon roll-up companies? Mark DiStefano from The Information recently did a deep dive on a few of the Amazon roll-up companies and uncovered some things I've been saying for a long time. It's not an easy business to be in, and only a few of the roll-up companies are likely to survive. The ones that will, will likely have two key properties. First, they have a narrow category focus. Second, their leadership has deep operational experience running Amazon brands. The challenge is many of these companies have raised a lot of money acquiring brands all over the spectrum and have never sold a thing on Amazon before starting an aggregator. In fact, many of the typical backgrounds are financial, not retail operators. Personally, I also think a focus on the smaller end of the brand spectrum is always the greatest opportunity. It's not building the most tech or being the biggest. Sometimes being large only means that you leave a bigger hole in the ground when you crash. The information article highlighted a few areas. The more companies you acquire, the harder it is to integrate and run them. 
Several of these companies have bought high and sold low from a valuation point of view due to the pandemic. It's easier to get booted off Amazon than you think. And as an industry, these companies took about $4 in debt for every $1 in equity. Debt, of course, needs to be repaid with cash flow. Sometimes cash flow is hard to come by, particularly if you're overinvesting. And many of these aggregators incorrectly thought they were tech companies. By the way, so did WeWork, which is now We Crashed. Good show, by the way. The industry took on about $14 billion in funding, which means that only $3.8 billion in equity and $11.2 billion in debt. That's a crushing amount of debt to take on. Sounds to me like the creditors, or finance as picks and shovels, really won this round. Before the pandemic, the larger sellers were buying smaller sellers. And right before and during the pandemic, investors raised money to simply aggregate growth and EBIT with no real differentiation. The counter-narrative, however, is pretty simple. Small to medium-sized sellers are under-optimized in so many ways, primarily people, advertising, and supply chain. And Amazon third-party is still growing fast. The main problem with the counter-narrative is that it doesn't solve for cash flow. Another huge problem is any cost savings are being eaten up by rising supply chain costs, materials, and labor inflation. In the end, it is really all about cash flow. And trust me, the most successful sellers on Amazon do not ever want you to hear about them. Ever. They want to remain hidden and keep throwing off cash for their owners. Our third story. FedEx strategy and execution issues on full display at recent earnings call. In discussion with a fellow e-commerce consultant last week about FedEx's performance in the last few years, we wonder why we even go to FedEx investor earnings calls anymore. Let's look at a few talking points from the fiscal year Q3 2022 call last week. There was softer volume last quarter than expected due to Omicron. Calendar year 2022 U.S. economic forecasts are being revised down. The company is planning on mid to high single-digit growth for next three or four years. And according to the management team, the future looks something like, one, improved European results through their TNT acquisition, two, improved collaboration and efficiency, and three, digital innovation, whatever those last two points mean. They didn't tell us. First, there is no real strategy here, just taglines. Europe is the only notable play, and it will make them more efficient, but that's an acquisition. If FedEx has decided it can't take share natively, then it's already dead. Fred Smith decided long ago to fight the battle in the news media and the courts over Amazon rather than in the marketplace, to the detriment of his formerly amazing company, because that drives out all the innovators. Listening to UPS management, and in particular CEO Carol Tomei, compared with this cast of characters named Smith at FedEx, and their differences really are night and day. UPS is giving specific strategies and innovations that are, they are introducing every call, and then demonstrating how much upside they have to continue to drive in their financial performance based on their innovation pipeline. That's how a modern company runs. The killer question in the call was very simple. FedEx used to be better than UPS from a profitability and growth point of view. Now it's worse. What's the plan? The answer was a non-answer. Just look at the scoreboard. If you have to ask the question, you already know the answer. My take? Where is the innovation? Where's the plan to take share? And from who? FedEx is not taking share from Amazon, and UPS is simply executing and innovating faster, growing faster, and getting more profitable at the same time. FedEx needs to be combined with another company probably at this point. I don't see a lot of great options, however, except another transportation company. I have seen a lot of people mention Walmart, and with all due respect, that's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why does Walmart need planes? No retailer makes any sense. 
FedEx is becoming much more relevant in the U.S., which is why it's hoping Europe is its lifeline. If it's not, the company could be soon sold for parts. Worse, on the call, the FedEx team said they are going after direct brand relationships and not platforms. And at the same time, they are supposedly laser-focused on SMB. These two things make no sense together. SMBs rely on platforms because these things are integrated, easy, and they can access rates and services that lets them punch above their weight. And our last story. Google enters last mile supply chain space with its last mile fleet solution. I was a bit surprised last week when I read an article about Google investing in mapping, address, and other services for last mile. However, the services are not consumer facing. Instead, Google is leveraging a few important assets it has while at the same time encouraging adoption of Google Cloud. Some of the services include improved address entry, meaning preventing missed deliveries, turn-by-turn navigation guides, and full-day route plannings for delivery companies. The offering is called Google Last Mile Fleet Solution. From a strategic point of view, it is Google's way of winning the last mile no matter who is actually providing the service itself. In particular, Google has obviously some of the best routing and maps infrastructure in the world. Any future last mile customers would likely only continue to improve the accuracy of the service. If you listen to any Amazon Flex driver, and one of their primary complaints is about route, maps, and things like this, indicating that map quality and ownership of that data is potentially a key advantage going forward. And these B2B solutions from Google are firmly on the side of providing picks and shovels for continuing improvements in last mile delivery, which is still one of the most expensive parts of fulfillment by far. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have seven items on the menu today. I guess we've hit fundraising season. First, advertising platform TopSort is now worth over $100 million after receiving $8 million from Pair Ventures. Retail media is a huge and growing trend in e-commerce that allows brands to get access to a retailer's first-party data and introduce their products to more customers. Second, Product information provider Akinio raised $135 million in a Series D to continue its growth trajectory. Akinio competes with players like Salsify in the product information management category, which is traditionally a tough category with only a few players in it. The CEO, Fred DeGombert, has been at it a long time, so this should allow the company to keep investing. Third, instant delivery provider Getir is worth nearly $12 billion after raising another $768 million. The instant delivery startups like GoPuff and Getir are raising money at huge valuations. And the problem is, cash flow of these companies will never match these valuations. It's a space that most people should be worried about unless these are regional players. Fourth, headless content management system Ampliance raised $100 million from Farview Equity Partners to help improve content workflow and consumer experiences. The company is competing with players like Adobe and Contentful. My old friend Rob Walter is the chief revenue officer here, so congrats to him and the entire team of Ad Ampliance. Fifth, Paris-based fashion resale platform Vestiaire Collective recently acquired U.S.-based Tradesy in a roll-up of resale platforms. I'll be honest, I'm a little surprised Tradesy was still in business, and I suspect that this was an acquihire since the amount was not really disclosed. Sixth, Canadian-based cross-border payment processing and localization provider Reach recently raised $30 million led by Vistara Growth. Reach solves complex problems in the cross-border payment space that helps companies increase their revenue, reduce payment declines, and decrease currency conversion rates. Congrats to a friend and fellow Watsonian CEO, Sam Ranieri. And finally, 
Mobility-based e-commerce platform Mavi.io secured $1.7 million in seed funding in order to fund what's being called On My Way Commerce. In short, Mavi is a marketplace that connects drivers and offline stores that could help consumers save time and consolidate trips. Convenience stores, fast food, and fast casual restaurants can then drop items in your car on the way home. My good friend Cynthia Holland is the CEO, so I'm happy to see the company launch successfully with partners like BurgerFi and Harman Audio. Congrats, Cynthia. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our show is produced by Citizen Racecar. Alex Brower is the producer and also wrote our theme music. The executive producer is David Hoffman. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.